Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Kings chapter 19. I will be reading verses 5 through 9 and then verses 11 through 13. Then Elijah lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank. Then he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. At that place, he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Let us pray together. God, fill this space. We ask that you open our ears to hear from you. Open our hearts to receive your spirit. Open our minds so that we are in tune with your presence and your will for us. God, may the lips, the words of my lips and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. For you, O oh Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Before we begin, I just want to say how much I appreciate Skylar inviting me to come and be with you today. I always consider it an honor when I am asked to preach, especially when I'm asked by a colleague in ministry like Skylar. So thank you for your warm welcome this morning as I have come to be with you. We also share another pastor in common, Dr. Jim White. Jim is currently serving as the interim pastor at my church, a position that I know that you all are very familiar with when it comes to Jim. And so when I asked him if it was okay for me to miss a Sunday and I said that I would come to preach at Manly Memorial, he said yes with zero hesitations. And so I bring a greeting from him as well. I know that I've already read our passage for this morning from the Bible directly, but I would like to share it again this time in a slightly different format. But before I do that, I would like to explain to you how I will share this passage. One of my favorite ways to engage with the stories of our faith is through a curriculum called Godly Play. This curriculum was originally created as a way for children to learn the stories of our faith in a different, more experiential way, and I have used it in several churches where I have served. 
The nature of godly play is to allow the people who are hearing the story to imagine or to even place themselves in the story. One of the things that I love about godly play is how children are transformed by it as they hear the stories of our faith. As children arrive for godly play, they line up in the hallway outside of the classroom. As children typically are, they're kind of noisy. A lot of times there's laughter and noise that's filling the hall, telling jokes, sharing about their week. But you see, one of the most important parts of godly play is being ready. It is the child's decision if they want to come into the room and hear the story every week. And they show us that they do want to hear the story by being ready, by getting calm, by talking quieter, walking slower. Now, I love telling godly play stories, but I also love being the person in the hallway that gets to ask the children, are you ready? Because when you ask that question to the very first child, silence fills the hall. And then children are allowed to enter the room and they have a seat in the circle and the story begins. So I invite you to hear our story for today with new ears. Maybe imagine this story in your mind as we hear again the word of the Lord. Are you ready? This is the story of Elijah the prophet. Prophets are people who come so close to God, and God comes so close to them that they know exactly what God wants. When people do not like the message, they often become very angry with the prophet. It's not an easy job to be a prophet. There once was a king called Ahab who ruled over all of Israel. He married a woman named Jezebel who was from a different land. She persuaded Ahab to worship her god, a god called Baal. Ahab even built a temple and placed a statue of Baal in it. He told the Israelites to bow down and to worship this other god. God sent the prophet Elijah to warn the king that there would be very little rain for the next three years because the people were not following God's laws and they were worshiping Baal. This made the king very angry and Elijah had to go into hiding. Three years passed. Elijah returned to speak to the king. Ahab was still angry with Elijah, but he listened because there had been no rain. Elijah told the king to gather all of the priests of Baal. There were 450 of them. The people gathered around, and Elijah said, You must choose. Will you worship Baal? Or will you worship the one true God? Two altars were built. When everything was ready for the sacrifice, Elijah said, You pray to your God, and I will pray to mine, and we will see which one sends down fire to light the offering. The priests of Baal prayed and prayed all day long for the fire to come. They danced around their altar, but nothing happened. Elijah said to them, shout louder. Maybe your God is thinking. Maybe he's too busy. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's asleep and you just need to wake him up. The prophets of Baal shouted louder and louder, but still nothing happened. Finally, 
It was evening, and Elijah called the people to him. He placed 12 stones, one for each of the tribes of Israel around God's altar, and he dug a deep trench. He prepared the sacrifice, and when everything was ready, water was poured all over the altar. The trench was filled and overflowing. Then Elijah prayed to God. Fire fell from the heavens and burned up the offering and dried up all the water. The people gathered, fell on their knees, and said, The Lord is God. And it began to rain. Now the king Ahab and his wife Jezebel were even angrier with Elijah, and so he had to run for his life and hide on the holy mountain of God. There he found a cave and went inside to go to sleep. In the night he thought he heard God calling to him, What are you doing, Elijah? Elijah answered, I have done everything you have asked of me. But the people do not accept that you are the one true God. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me too. God said, go out and stand on the mountain. I will come to you. A powerful wind blew around the mountain so strong that it smashed the rocks as it passed. But God wasn't in the wind. An earthquake shook the entire ground, shattering it to pieces. But God was not in the earthquake. A raging fire came and burned up everything in its path. But God was not in the fire. Then there was sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his cape around him and stood at the mouth of the cave. He heard a still, small voice and knew that it was God. God told him to go back to the people, and so Elijah did. Ahab and Jezebel died, but Elijah was a prophet in the land of Israel for the rest of his days. Congratulations. You just sat through your first godly play story. Thank you for being willing to hear this story of our faith in a new way. I wonder if you heard anything differently in the way that the story was shared this time compared to times that you have heard it before. Today's text comes from the book of 1 Kings, and this godly play version of the scripture that I read covers chapters 16 through 19. But we are going to focus just on chapter 19 for today. But this background information is important for us. Elijah is a prophet, hand chosen by God to deliver God's message. And God's message is direct, but simple. You're doing it wrong. Now, in case you've forgotten or maybe you dozed off, here's a couple of reminders. King Ahab is married to Jezebel, and Jezebel convinced her husband to worship a different God than Yahweh, the God of Israel. So God sent Elijah to tell the king, you're doing it wrong, and because you are not worshiping the one true God, there will not be rain for three years. Needless to say, Ahab was not a fan of this message, and so Elijah ran away and hid. Three years pass, no rain, just like Elijah said. And so Elijah comes back to Ahab, 
And this time there is a face-off between Team Yahweh and Team Baal to see who is greater, and we all know who wins that contest. And so we have come to chapter 19. Hooray, Elijah's God has won. And what is Elijah's reward? A death threat from the king's wife. So again, Elijah runs and hides. Elijah has just had a tremendous victory. He has overrun the priests who believed in Baal, but yet a threat from Queen Jezebel sends him running to the hills. Elijah is out in the wilderness and an angel appears to him. The angel wakes Elijah up and gives him food to eat. A second time, an angel comes to Elijah and gives him food and water. It is this strength of this manna from heaven that gives Elijah the strength to travel to Mount Horeb, which is the mountain of God, the same mountain where Moses encountered God in the burning bush. It took Elijah 40 days and nights to get to this place, and once he arrives, he finds safety in a cave, and he sleeps. But at some point, Elijah hears the word of the Lord saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah tells the Lord that he is the only one who has been faithful, even though the Israelites have turned away from Yahweh. He is the only one left. His speech is full of self-pity and arrogance at the same time. One biblical scholar says, prophets are often placed in the midst of tension between their God-given message and their own sense of unworthiness. Now, I don't think Elijah is feeling unworthy. When I think of people in the Old Testament who may feel unworthy to do what God has called him or her to do, I think of Moses. God told Pharaoh to go, told Moses to go to Pharaoh and to tell the king to set the Hebrews free. And Moses says, me, go to Pharaoh, feeling unworthy. Or I think of Jonah, who just up and ran the opposite direction from the place that God told him to go, and he refused to deliver his message to Nineveh, feeling unworthy. These people felt unworthy of delivering God's message, but I don't think Elijah felt or actually was unworthy. I think he just felt sorry for himself. Now God says, go and stand on the mountain of the Lord, and I will meet you there. Now, I don't know about you, and I don't know about Elijah, but if I was having a conversation with God and God said, go to this place and just wait, I'll meet you there, pretty sure I would be terrified. But then again, maybe I have been told this by God. Maybe you have been told this by God. I wonder if there has been a time in your life where you have felt like you were waiting on God. I wonder if you have ever felt like, God, are you even going to show up? And so Elijah trusts, and he goes out to the entrance of the cave on the mountain, and he waits. And while he's waiting there, who shows up but the very first earth, wind, and fire? A great wind blows around the mountain so strong that rocks break, but God is not in that wind. And then an earthquake rumbles the ground, but God is not in the earthquake. And then a fire consumes everything in its path. But God was not in the fire. In other biblical stories, we see these elements showing up. And when they show up, God is there in those elements. 
but this time, God isn't there. But this isn't a story of when God did not show up. It is a story of when God did. Elijah has lost all hope, and God is there. And it is in a totally unexpected way. God shows up in the silence, and not just in a moment of quiet, but in complete, total silence. I tried to think if there was a time in my life where I have experienced a silence like this. And after sorting through almost 35 years of noisy memories in my mind, I was able to come up with one. When I was eight years old, my older sister Melissa passed away. Our family was on vacation at the beach, and no matter where you were, you could always hear some sort of noise, whether it was the ocean waves or people laughing on the beach or seagulls begging for food. My brother and I were at the neighbor's house at the beach when a family friend came to pick us up. And as we were traveling back to our beach house to meet our parents, I remember things getting very quiet. Everything seemed to fade away. The waves, the birds, all of the noise. And in that silence, I heard a voice that said, it's going to be okay. Melissa has died, but it is going to be okay. I heard my own still small voice in the midst of a rock-breaking, ground-shaking, fire-burning situation. I was given a few moments of silence as we traveled from one house to the next, and God was there. God was there in the moment that changed our family's life forever. God was there as we tried to navigate new waters ahead, and God was there in the moments of sobbing and despair and confusion and anger, and in the moments of smiles and happy memories. God was there. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear nothing. For God, you are with me. The words of the 23rd Psalm are perhaps the best known words from the book of David's poems. Movies use these words to give courage to a character about to go into a tough situation. Songs have been written about it, both in sacred and secular contexts. We hear it all the times at, funeral, at funerals. It, words can be applied to so many situations. This fourth verse, the verse about the darkest valley, is sometimes called the gospel kernel of the Old Testament. It is the good news that turns tears of anguish and fear into shouts of joy, the glad tiding that is given by the angelic choir to the shepherds, you do not have to be afraid. Yes, there are dark valleys, but the psalm doesn't say we will be led away from them or around them or never encounter them again. We walk through them, and when we do, God is there. The promise that God is with us in the darkest valley is no different than the promise that God is with us in the dying Savior on the cross. The psalm ends with these words. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The Hebrew verb for follow is radaf, and this word can also be translated as to pursue or to chase after. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall chase after me, shall pursue me all the days of my life. No matter where we go, God is always there, right beside us. All of our stories today remind us that though we may feel like we are separated from God and we are separated from others and we're tempted to give up, God is always providing. Why would God do anything different? The presence of God isn't always obvious. Remember how God was present with Elijah? Not in the earth or the wind or the fire, but in the silence. God shows up in completely unexpected ways all the time. One scholar says these stories from scriptures are initiations to experience God's unexpected encouragement for perseverance in our daily lives. You have already experienced the godly place story today, but one of the other things that we do after a godly place story is told is that we ask wondering questions. These questions don't have right or wrong answers. It's a time for the hearer to explore some things they may have thought of during the story. My favorite question to ask children is, which part of this story is about you? You never know what children will say, but I promise that these answers are genuine and real. Some of my favorite answers when asked what part of this story is about you are these. Millie says, I'm the baby in this story of Moses because I used to be a baby. Gabby says, I'm like the stars that Abraham saw in the sky because I love sparkly things. Zion says, I think I'm kind of like Jacob because I like playing tricks on my brothers and sisters. Olivia says, I think I'm out in the desert like the people of God because sometimes I feel so lonely. So thinking of our story from Elijah and from Psalm 23, I wonder which part of this story is about you. Maybe you're struggling with a valley right now. Maybe you feel like Elijah and feel that there is no one around to walk next to you through dark times. Maybe this is a valley that you feel like you have been in for a long time. Or maybe you have just come out of the valley. You're squinting in the sunlight trying to figure out where to go from here. Or maybe you're on that mountaintop and the wind is blowing around you and the earth is shaking under your feet and you're just praying that life will become stable again. You are eagerly waiting to hear the still small voice of God just to get a small flicker of hope that God is still there. Maybe you're in green pastures or beside calm waters. You're feeling restored and provided for ready to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I hope that you will take a few moments and in the silence reflect on the question, what part of this story is about you?
Today is the first day of a new year. A chance for each of us to reflect on the year that has ended and to prepare for the year that is ahead. Maybe you have big plans for this year and you can't wait to get started. Or maybe you have no idea what this year holds and it's a little daunting. No matter where you find yourself on this first day of 2023, I hope that you have wondered what this year will hold. Maybe you are asking yourself this question, what am I doing here? There's nothing wrong with this question. It's a natural one that we should all ask from time to time as we make sure that our lives are lining up with the plan that God has for each of us. In talking with Skylar about your church, he mentioned that over the next few weeks, you all will be having a conversation as a congregation where you very well may find yourself asking the question, what are we, Manly Memorial Baptist Church, doing here? You might want God to provide big in-your-face answers and signs like earth and wind and fire, figuratively, not literally, and you might have clear answers that are so obvious you can't ignore them. But you might also find yourself encountering moments of pure silence where you are eagerly awaiting to hear the voice of God. I encourage you to be open to these moments also and to the ways that God is speaking in the quiet. What are you doing here? In a moment, we will gather at the table of the Lord and share in communion together. We will take the bread and the cup and we will remember that God's love came to earth in the form of a tiny, vulnerable baby. We will remember that when we gather at this table, we have a chance to recenter our hearts and our spirits and to ask ourselves the same question that God asked to Elijah. What are we doing here? When we gather at the table, we remember that we are loved by the same God who shows up in fires and winds and earthquakes and the God that shows up in the silence. We are loved by the God who is present at this table and who journeys with us through valleys and mountaintops. We are loved by a God who not only asks us, what are you doing here? but we are loved by a God that also wants us to answer that question honestly and bravely. I hope that over the next few days, you will continue to ask yourself some wondering questions and to share your answers with others. Remember, there are no right or wrong answers. If your answer includes feeling sparkly, that is perfectly okay. Your answer is your own and is exactly what you need to carry with you. Just be open and willing to the ways that God is speaking to you in the story. And while you may feel that there is no one around to share your story with, remember that Elijah felt alone too. But more importantly, God was there. God is there beside us waiting for us to be still for just long enough to hear God's voice. Sometimes it takes being in a valley to get to that point. But when we do reach out, we will find that there are green meadows, calm waters, and overflowing cups waiting for us. So let's continue to walk in the valleys and the mountains together. We don't need to be afraid. 
because God is there every step of the journey. Are you ready? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the noises that fill our lives each and every day because they are the noises of life and of love. God, we pray that as we go from this place, you will speak to us in the noises, but also in the quiet moments. For we know that you are almighty and all-powerful and that you have something to say to each of us. If only we will give you our ears to hear it. Help us to be ready to hear you and for us always to be ready to go and do what your will is for our lives. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen. I invite you as you're able to stand with me as we sing our hymn of commitment, Another Year is Dawning, it's number 635. <laughs> 